You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, how's it going? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I'm a fantasy analyst, PFF, and your host here at On Rams Podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network, of course. And this is our final episode of the week, the Friday episode. The last one we have before the NFL has officially kicked off. That feels crazy to say. I cannot believe the offseason went that quickly. Probably slower for some of you guys. But for me, trying to keep up with this stuff every single day, pumping out five episodes per week, six episodes per some weeks, uh, this stuff flew by. So this episode has more than enough for us to discuss. Like I mentioned, two additional signings to the practice squad, four transactional moves, and it is our Mailbag Friday episode. You guys sent in a bunch of questions that we're going to dive into. A lot of good ones headed for this season, of course. But before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you guys that you can go find out more about every team in the division, as well as the Los Angeles Rams, August 30th through September 8th on Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview. We're joined by professionals Jason Lockenfora, Ross Tucker, and we're breaking down every team, the predictions of how the divisions are going to shake out, NFC West, every other division as well. So go check that out. All you have to do is follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. August 30th, we began, and we're going to go all the way through September 8th. So make sure to check that out. But I want to dive into some of these updates first before we get into these questions. Wide receiver Tristan Jackson, somebody that I've highlighted on this podcast the last few days, at least, if not the last few weeks, has signed with the Minnesota Vikings. So he's officially gone. And I think this kind of makes sense because that wide receiver depth chart is not as deep as the Rams. I mean, yeah, they have two elite players in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, but he's got a legitimate shot to make that 53-man roster and to actually contribute as a receiver, in my opinion. So good move for him personally. Sucks for the Rams, but as we expected, this was probably going to happen. Now, the Rams signed two players, right guard, Jared Hawker and running back Buddy Howell to their practice squad. Don't know much about either player. Howell is a standout special teamer from what I read. And Hawker, a powerful man blocking scheme type of guard, which is always good. Another developmental piece for the offensive line. And then the four transactional moves. Mind you, there's been a lot going on here. Tremaine Ankrum, tackle, and Obanai Okoronko, edge rusher. Both players were placed on the reserve injured list, a.k.a. short-term IR which means both players will miss three games, the first three games this season. Not great news, obviously, for Oboe because the Rams really need this guy at that edge spot where they're already very questionable. Not so much with Ankrum. It's not the biggest deal, but not how you want to start the season, of course. Chris Garrett, another edge rusher here, placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. How long is he going to be sidelined? Not 100% sure. Could be upwards of five days, could be 10 days. Johnny Hecker was on that list pretty long, so... The hope is that Garrett doesn't last as long on there, but of course we don't know. And then mentioning Johnny Hecker, he was finally activated from that COVID-19 list, which is good news, but that's pretty much it for the transactional news. Now we're going to dive into the questions. And as always, I appreciate you guys for sending these in. You guys send in a bunch of good ones and we're just going to go by way of how you guys sent them in. So the very first one is from at LA Ramsey 46. And if you guys see me looking off to the left here, don't be confused. Those are the ones that are watching on YouTube. I'm just looking at my monitor here trying to read the question. So he said, who will have the better overall stats by the end of the season? Terrell Lewis, Obo Okoronkwo, or Chris Garrett? And 
this is a tough question because you're looking at two guys in Lewis and Oboe who are often injured and Chris Garrett, a seventh round pick who might not play that much. So I'm going to go with Oboe. I just think he's the best player of the bunch. I think Lewis is definitely up there, but I cannot trust him or that knee, which definitely concerns me. So I'm going to go with Oboe or Karanko, but this is definitely a toss up. I think between those first two names, not so much Chris Garrett. Wouldn't be shocked if he's one of those players that's not active on game days because, of course, teams can only have 45 active players on game days. So he could be one of those scratches. The next one is from at Immortal Human 5. He said, do you see Perkins staying on the roster the whole season? That's a good question. And it's tough to say because injuries can obviously shake up the 53-man roster. I'm going to go with, yeah, I think he will just because not necessarily that the Rams will want him on there per se, but I just don't think they're allowed to cut this guy. Like if they cut him, he's going to have a good shot to get claimed. So I want to see the waiver claim system ends somewhere in the middle of October. That could be wrong. So don't quote me on that, but maybe at that point, they might be able to do something where they can send him down to the practice squad. But I just don't think this is the type of player that you want to subject to waivers because I don't think there's any chance that he gets back to your practice squad. Moving on to the next one from at Turbo Fargo. He said, was there anyone on the waiver wire you thought the Rams should have considered adding or did they do the right thing by basically staying as is? I mean, the one player that I would have loved to see the Rams add was Royce Freeman, but there was not going to be a great chance that he was going to last all the way until the Rams waiver claim. And now we know that he was claimed by the Carolina Panthers who obviously had a much claim than the Rams did. So no harm, no foul here. And this is obviously after the Rams already traded for Sony Michelle. So not as much of a need at running back, but had they not traded for Michelle, I would have definitely been in huge favor of adding Freeman. I think he's probably the better football player than Michelle is. But of course, the Rams are smart. They know they have intel around the NFL that Freeman might have been cut, might have not been, and that he probably was not going to reach their waiver claim. So with that being said, they went ahead and traded for Michelle. You can't really knock them for that. On to the next one and the final one in this segment from at Gabe underscore Rieske. He said, with Matthew Stafford at the helm for the 2021 season, what former Rams receiver during the McVay era would you have liked to see paired up with Stafford? And I think the Rams are obviously very set at receivers, so it's not really been much of an issue, you know, even going into the season. But I think if you're going to pose a question like that, Brandon Cooks would have been fun to see. I mean, this is a guy that even still now, and especially now maybe playing on the horrible team that is the Houston Texans, probably the team that's favored to get that number one overall pick this season, I think he's been one of the most underrated players, one of the most consistent players in the NFL, a legitimate deep threat. And I remember how good this guy was in 2018 with Jared Goff clicking, with that whole offense clicking. Cooks was such a problem, and he was the best receiver on that team, the same team that had Cooper up, Robert Woods, some of these other guys, Josh Reynolds. I think Cookies, and they all made that work. So a guy that's made it still to this day i really hope for his sake texans find a way to trade him and just let him go compete somewhere else for not necessarily a ring but you know i mean you don't want to play for a team that's fighting for that number one overall pick and catching passes from tyrod taylor and some of those other guys davis mills potentially not, not a good situation for him but I would because I genuinely think this guy is one of the more underrated players in the NFL as it goes. And of course, I mentioned that is going to take us into the break here. You guys can always come find us on Twitter at QB's MVP and at Locked on Rams. And make sure to check back in in the next segment here right after the break, because we're going to continue picking up with these questions. But before we get there, 
You guys have to try Built Bar. You've heard me talk about it many times on this podcast. And of course, I'm a person who's went through the weight loss journey himself, 155 pounds. And I've tried all the protein bars on the market. Some are chalky. Some just don't taste good. Just extremely high in calories, which you're going to want to avoid, but not the Built Bar. They're very healthy. They're delicious. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you if you are on the keto diet. You'll even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and promo code is LOCK15 at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back now to the second segment here. We're going to continue with the questions here. And the next one is from at JJ from underscore NJ. He said, with all the talk of the Rams not having a bad draft class by pretty much every major outlet, are you at all surprised that every one of them made the initial roster except for Ernest Brown the fourth, I want to say, still don't know that Roman numeral. Jeez, that's going to bug me for the rest of the season, probably. You know, I think for the most part, I'm not really that surprised. Uh, of course, there is three seventh-round picks that made the roster, so maybe I should be a little bit surprised because probably not great chances that Chris Garrett, Jake Funk, Ben Skoranek all make the roster in any other given year. But I think the Rams, like I've mentioned on this podcast many times, they do a very job of knowing what they want out of their players and do an even better job at conveying that from the coaching staff to the front office. And what I mean by that is when they went into the seventh round, they weren't necessarily looking for players that were going to be some sort of late round gems that they were going to try to develop for year after year. But they wanted guys that could contribute on special teams. And all three of these guys do that. And that's why they made this roster. Because the end of your roster needs to contribute on special teams or else they're not going to have a spot. And we look at the receiver position, maybe no better example, Tristan Jackson, in my opinion, the better wide receiver, but Ben Skoranek makes that roster because he can play on special teams. So I'm not surprised really at all, but like you mentioned, the Rams continue to find a way to be productive in these draft classes, even after always getting slammed by any and every media outlet. And of course that typically happens when you don't have early round picks, first round picks, but at the same time, once again, it's looking like a pretty decent draft class. The next one is from at Schweidog. He said, how do you think Raheem Morris will do in his first year as the defensive coordinator for the Rams? And that is a good question. And I've talked about this on this pod as well. I don't think he's going to be able to recreate the same kind of success as Brandon Staley in terms of the statistical output because the Rams were the number one ranked defense last year. They were the best defense in football by every metric. And they weren't just good. They were fantastic. And the chances that they can repeat that, probably not great. So with that being said, I'm going to assume that they're still going to be a good defense because they have enough talent to be able to do that. And they are very, very strong in terms of, you know, the pass rush. When you look at a guy like Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, still there, the secondary, even better. Those are the two most important facets of your team, at least on defense, I should say. And the Rams have built around that. So this is something that I think can be sustainable, not at that number one defense level, but at the same time, the linebackers might be better this year than they were last year, but the secondary might not be as dominant as they were last year. So I'm going to say still a top 10 unit, which of course would be a tremendous year by any given standards. And not only that, but when the offense becomes better, which I think we all expect this season, that should help negate whatever kind of regression there is on the defensive side of the ball. And if that's the case, then I think the Rams are definitely going to be teams that's going to be standing at the end of the year, as they say. The next one is from my guy at Weggs underscore official. He said, do you think Van Jefferson sees more work than Josh Reynolds did? 
Does he have a breakout opportunity? And, you know, based off of the training camp reports, he seems like a guy that's really stood out. And I really believe in the talent, right? This guy can run routes. He can get open. He can get off the line of scrimmage. And those are the most important things when it comes to playing wide receiver. Can you get open? Can you uncover and separate? And can you actually win in that first one second coming off the line of scrimmage? Because if you can't, you're going to be useless. And he does all of these things well. The only issue, I'm one of those guys that believes that Deshaun Jackson is going to be out there ahead of him as that wide receiver three more often than not. Now, might that change? Definitely. Or maybe I have the wrong perception here. Maybe the Rams don't want to use Deshaun Jackson too often because of the injury history. But when it comes down to what this offense needs, how Matthew Stafford plays, who makes more sense? To me, it's Deshaun Jackson. So I think this season is going to be a little bit more of what it was last year with Van Jefferson. Probably use a little bit more, but just more development. Get him out there, some snaps, rotate a little bit. But I don't expect to see this guy have 80 to 100 targets this season or you know, 700 to 900 yards. I don't think that's really in the wheelhouse for him this season with how stacked they are at receiver. So I'm going to say he's not going to reach those statistical outputs that Josh Reynolds had last year per se, even at 650, 700 yard type of mark. But when it comes to just moving the chains, being a reliable player, someone that we all believe in going into the next season because he's going to put together a strong developmental path here, I do believe that that will happen. The next one's from at Jay Cutler Zero. He said, what are your realistic expectations for the Rams this season, division-wise and playoff-wise? And, you know, I might be one on the more optimistic side of things, but I believe that the Rams are the best team in the NFC West. I think they're the team to beat in the NFC West right now. And, of course, that can change. Injuries are going to change things drastically going throughout the season. But as it stands, I think they are the best team in the NFC West. And I think they are one of the three best teams in the NFC. And I've talked about this. I look at it in a tier of Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Green Bay Packers, and the Los Angeles Rams. Those are the top three tier one NFC contenders, in my opinion. I think those are the three teams that, you know, when we look back in a year or, you know, in six months, I genuinely think, barring injuries, of course, these are going to be the last three teams standing. And at the end of the day, they look like the most talented. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I already have. I've already bet on the Rams to win the NFC championship game to win the Super Bowl, to win the NFC West. Uh, Two of those, maybe a little bit more out there as opposed to the NFC West win, but I genuinely do believe in this team's talent. I think Matthew Stafford is going to unlock a lot of what we haven't seen yet. And obviously, if I'm putting my money on the line, I do think this team will be a lot better than some people think. Of course, you have one side of the spectrum that is buying the hype. A lot of people really think the Rams are one of those best teams in the NFC. And then the other side of the spectrum where, you get the Matthew Stafford's never won a playoff game. Matthew Stafford's not a winner type of arguments. And I guess I get it. But at the end of the day, I don't view it like that. I don't think this is a one person sport. Football is the greatest team game that there is on this planet. And 53 guys contribute to winning and losing. And this is a game of inches. We know that it's been called that a million times over. And there's a reason for that because this game is very, very random. And the slightest of things can change a game very easily. So Rams I think a lot of fans do as well and uh, it's definitely a team that's very talented regardless so barring injuries they should go very far this season but that's going to take us into the final segment you guys make sure to check back in here every day next week at the Locked on Rams podcast 
We're going to get you guys ready for everything you need to know about the Los Angeles Rams heading into week one, as well as their opponent in the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football to open up SoFi Stadium. And that's going to take us into this break. It's that time of year again. Week one is right around the corner. All eyes are now turning to the great iron. Everyone is prepared for the kickoff of this 2021 season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You can get all your updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 Survivor Contest, which are now open at BetOnline. If you go ahead or use your mobile device, you can get your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football to basketball to boxing right to horse racing, don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And if you guys want some help when it comes to betting, you can go listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, one of our hosts on the Locked on Podcast Network, as well as Lee Sterling. You can get your daily blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. All you have to do is follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. And now that's going to take us into the final segment here and the last few questions. This one's from my guy CB at Big Game CB. He said, realistically, what does Deshaun Jackson have to contribute for you to call him a successful signing? Is there a certain amount of games played? 40-yard catches? What do you think? This is my favorite question of the day. A very good question. And I think Chris Brown, my man CB, he's going to know exactly what I'm saying here. So when I look at Deshaun Jackson, we all know what kind of player this guy is. He's a vertical threat, right? I don't look at his contributions this season in a statistical basis because the best deep threats in the NFL, their role is to get vertical and threaten defenses vertically. And how you're going to see that success and how you're going to see his contributions to this team is instead of seeing one of those safeties come down into the box and cheat a little bit, get closer and more aggressive to their run fits, you're now going to see teams rotate backwards playing two safety coverages a little bit more often, playing a little bit more cover two, cover four, as opposed to having that extra man in the box. And what that's going to do, obviously, is going to make the Rams rushing attack more productive, more efficient, and it's going to allow them to stay ahead of the chains more often because if you're running into a stack box on first and 10, you don't really gain anything. Now you're in second and nine. You're already behind the chains versus if you're running into a lighter box and you get a five-yard rush, now you're on second and five your whole playbook is open in this instance. And if you don't gain anything, it's still a third and manageable versus the other scenario. If you don't gain anything on second down, it's an incomplete pass. Now you're in third and nine. And we know Sean McVay loves to throw those screens and be very safe when it comes to third and long, or at least he was with Jared Goff back there. So that's the kind of impact I think this guy can have. We're going to see, in my opinion, fewer stack boxes. I think the efficiency in the running game is going to be better. I think he's going to help open up everything underneath for his fellow receivers, guys like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. We're going to see those guys run up that yardage after the catch. We're going to see them running across the middle of the field in those deep crossers and those zones that are open because Deshaun Jackson can take the top off the defense. So when it comes to his actual output, doesn't really matter to me. Of course, he still needs to prove that he's that guy. Teams aren't just going to respect him for no reason. He's going to need to make a catch here and there, a 30, 40, 50-yard catch, a touchdown. That's going to force teams to rethink how they're going about it and you know, kind of make defensive coordinators readjust. But at the same time, if he only has 300 yards this season and everyone else performs 
better because of his assistance there. Huge success to me. So kind of a cop-out answer. I can't say, you know, he needs 350 yards. He needs eight touchdowns. He, But if he can make everyone better, and I suspect that he will, and the whole offense benefits from his addition, then that's a huge, huge addition, obviously. And you look back to 2018, Brandon Cooks, when this offense was at its best, it was because Brandon Cooks was there. He was running vertical and he was opening up everything underneath, especially for that running game. That running game was unstoppable, partially because of Cooks, partially because of the offensive line. So that's the kind of impact I see him having. Maybe not as tremendous as Cooks did, but at the same time, if you can get vertical, if you can open up the underneath game, you're doing this offense a huge solid. The next one is from at Icy Stafford. I love that name, by the way. He said, do you see Sony Michelle playing a big role in the offense this year? And I do, depending on what you mean by big role, do I see him having maybe 100 carries this season, maybe 15 catches? Absolutely. I do think he can reach both of those marks. Uh, in terms of 50-50 with Daryl Henderson, I don't think he's going to get quite there. At least I hope he doesn't because to me, Henderson is a lot better. Like I've watched Sony Michelle play football. I watched him coming out. I studied his tape. I was not a huge fan. I don't think he's that explosive. I don't think he's very good uh, in terms of the lead running back prospects there. But if we're talking about giving Henderson a little bit of a break, a little bit of a breather, obviously making his job a little bit easier, trying to extend his durability throughout the entire season, then yeah, Sony Michelle should have some carries. I think he'll have over 100 attempts this season and should factor into 30 to 40% of that running back usage. But if it's going to be a 50-50 split, if that's kind of how you're looking at it, I sure hope that it is, and I don't think it will be. But it really depends on how many games these guys can play because that's obviously going to throw that whole equation off. The next one is from my guy at Will Carella. He said, does Jacob Harris need to learn how to block to really become a weapon in this offense? I feel like if he splits out and doesn't offer much as a blocker, it'll be hard to keep defenses honest when he's on the field. Thoughts? That's a good assessment. I mean, it's true. Uh, you can't just use this guy as a receiver. I think he needs to somehow learn, not necessarily to be the next George Kittle. He doesn't need to put guys on their back or drive linebackers 15 yards off the ball. That's never going to be his game. But he needs to at least be versatile enough to where you're not giving away your play call like you mentioned, Will, there. So I agree. He needs to learn how to block to some degree. But at the same time, it really depends on where he's aligned. If he's going to be attached to that tackle with his hand in the dirt in a three-point stance like your typical tight end would be, then it's a little bit less predictable. At the same time, you need to know how to block because you're going to be used as a blocker in some capacity there versus if he's flexed out wide or playing that big slot role, you pretty much view him and treat him as a receiver anyway. So it's less predictable there anyways. But like you mentioned, you want to be a player that can stay on the field at all times. And if you're very limited in terms of what you can bring to the table, you're not going to play that much. So I really hope that he can at least be near average, if not just slightly below average as a blocker. He doesn't need to pile drive guys or, you know, send them to a different orbit. As long as he can at least get in the way and just occupy a defender every now and again, that's more than enough. And I think the Rams view it similarly because this is a guy you don't draft thinking he's going to be Delaney Walker or George Kittle, or some of these guys that's just going to kill someone in the blocking game. That's not who he is. That's never who he's going to be. But what he can be is Jimmy Graham from six or seven years ago, right? Not a punishing blocker, but sometimes he's going to do just enough. Sometimes he's going to whiff terribly. But when you're catching 
70 passes for 900 yards and 11 touchdowns. Trust me, that coaching staff will be willing to overlook your lack of blocking prowess. So at the end of the day, make plays in the passing game, block just enough to stay on the field. And he should be, I think that's exactly how the Rams view this guy. It's going to take us into the final question here from my guy, underscore peoples. He said, Sosa, my man, congrats on the launch of the YouTube channel. Speaking of YouTube, which Rams player would be the best vlogger and have the most entertaining content to watch? And uh, that's a good question. And thank you so much. Obviously, it's been fun on YouTube, like I've mentioned to you guys. Sebastian Joseph Day. I mean, this guy already has a YouTube channel. He's got this cool eating show. I think it's called Dine and Bash or Dine with Bash, something like that. Bash being his nickname, of course. Uh, Super entertaining guy. He's hilarious. Uh, Very talkative, I guess, but at the same time, very entertaining. But that kind of feels like a cop-out answer. And if you guys don't know, Aaron Donald also has a YouTube channel. I'm going to go with somebody outside the box and uh, say Dante Dion. I mean, this guy's hilarious. I feel like he brings the energy all the time. One of those guys is very loud, talkative. I always think back to that scene in Hard Knocks, maybe like two or three years ago at this point. Man, he was killing me. He was pretending to walk around with Aaron Donald with his shirt off, talking about, you know, I'm looking swole, this and that. Those are the kind of guys that kill me. I'm all about the entertainment. I feel like he would be hilarious. So seems like a guy that everyone on the team loves, brings up that mood, that energy. Uh, so I'm going to go with him. There's a few good answers that already have YouTube channels, which is crazy. Uh, but I'm going to go with Dion. But talking about YouTube channels and JB brought it up, you guys go subscribe. If you haven't already, go check us out. I'm still trying to work out all the kinks here. Uh, I know there's been a little bit of connection issues. Friggin' internet, man. It's so annoying. But at the same time, we're trying our best here. I'm going to try to get that upgraded ASAP. Um, go check us out at Lockdown Rams. You can send us a like, send us some conversations. Uh, we're going back and forth, so it's a lot of fun there. Of course, we're still on every audio podcast platform, so no worries there. Next week, make sure to tune back in all five episodes. We're going to get you 100% prepared for this week one contest between the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams at Grand SoFi Stadium. The NFL season is right around the corner. No relation. Just a reminder, you can also come connect with us on, on Twitter at QB's MEP and at on Rams. And of course, please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.